Alright everyone, hello there, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I am Robert Winfrey, I'm your host, per usual. On the agenda this particular episode, yesterday, UFC on ESPN 10. One of the worst cards on paper the UFC has ever put forward. I'm not necessarily ready to say the absolute worst, because there were some early UFC events that were, even on paper, just kind of dogs. But I do feel very confident saying one of. Uh, I'm not really in a position at the moment to kind of say, okay, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so, this was the absolute worst. But if you told me it was... I'm not sure I'd disagree with you all that much. Again, we're talking just on paper. In practice, it was a. Eh. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. We also have an upcoming preview, UFC on ESPN 11, a much better card, which is, uh, again, it's better. It's a pretty decent card on paper. We'll have a full preview of that. Uh, the UFC dumped a bunch of fights on us this last week, uh, fight announcements. So we'll go through that. Uh, for the news, and I think that's basically all we have scheduled. So let's go ahead and jump into the main topic at hand, UFC on ESPN 10. Um, dog of an event. Just an absolute dog. I mean, for starters, in the lead-up, like the week leading up to the fight... Uh, we lost a couple of fights that I thought were actually potentially good fights. Uh, Ryan Benoit pulled out of his fight with Tyson Nam and was replaced by a guy with four MMA fights. Uh, a, a kickboxer of, I wouldn't say note, but a f- somewhat known kickboxer. So not, but still, a guy with, you know, four fights. Uh, let's see. We uh, Ray Borg pulled out of his fight with Murad Wallace, really. Uh, he had a family issue to deal with, apparently something related to his son. And hopefully that all works out okay, because... Uh, I, don't, I don't wish that kind of trauma on too many people. And the supreme irony, of course, being that those that you would actually... are the kinds of people you would wish it on, they wouldn't be affected by it the way you want them to. So he... so, um... Borg was replaced by a newcomer. That bout got moved up to 140 pounds because the other guy was coming in on really short notice. We lost the fight between Derek Minner and Jordan Griffin. Uh, and... Was there anything else? That just kind of... fell apart. No, but then again, we had the weigh-in issue. Oh, boy. Um, one half of your main event, Jessica I weighed in at 126 and a quarter, so missed weight for the second time in a row for a flyweight fight. Uh, I've seen a bit of speculation about this, and I haven't been able to confirm or deny it, but there was some, I think Cynthia Calvillo mentioned that the message she received was that Jessica I was going to miss weight by about three pounds. Now, whether I just suffered a whole lot to try and get that down closer, or there was some kind of towel-based shenanigans to make her look like she got closer, I don't know. But, 
Yeah, she missed weight. Um, the co-main event, Marvin Vittori and Carl Robertson. Robertson missed weight badly. He weighed 190 and a half for a middleweight fight. Uh, not good. And then in one of our replacement fighters, uh, the one who replaced Benoit, actually, Zarek uh, Adeshev, weighed 138 and a half. Uh, a lot of people missing weight. Um, again, uh, everybody gets... In my general policy, everybody gets one. I'm willing to be a bit more lenient in elements of my criticism at the moment because of the situation that the world is operating under, you know? So, I'm a little bit more understanding... That said, it's still a bad look. If you don't think you can make... I mean, in all seriousness, if you don't think you can make the weight for whatever reason, be that a time issue, be that a facility issue, whatever, then don't sign for the weight. Either try to negotiate a catchweight bout, fight a weight class up. But, so, again, I'm willing to give everyone a little bit of a... I'm willing to put an asterisk up, right? Uh, and just say, guys, I know that uh, there's a there's you know the circumstances of the world right now. So uh, again, I, I'm not going to be as harsh as I would under other circumstances. Um, but still, uh, really bad look. Uh, as for the fights themselves, in your main event, Cynthia Calvillo defeated Jessica Ivey, unanimous decision. 49-46 twice, won 48-47. I was 50-45 for Calvillo, but I can see I getting the first. Not a very interesting fight. Uh, neither of these women are very good strikers. And that's where they spent a lot of the time. This fight was just on the feet. Uh, when they did hit the ground, Calvillo was the superior grappler, and that's kind of what led her to victory here at the end. But, uh, not a great fight. I just... I don't have anything to... Just for the record, the first handful of fights for this card uh, ended very, very quickly. We'll get to that in when we talk about them in a second or two here. So this broadcast had a lot of airtime to fill. They put a fair amount of Jessica I... of, like, work into Jessica I uh, presenting her. <laughs> Which was just the oddest thing to me. I mean... It's not that Jessica I... is... you know, a, a terrible human being or anything. I don't know her well enough to make that particular statement. I know she is a profoundly uninteresting fighter. And they put a lot of effort in... Uh, there was a big sit-down interview with Brendan Fitzgerald and stuff. It just... An odd... Just an, odd an odd allocation of, resource, of resources, I suppose, is probably the best way to say that. Um, I was still technically your number one contender, which was bogus. Uh, I mean... 
I don't know how you could rank her the number one contender with a straight face. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, not only did she miss weight in her previous fight, her in her fight with Valentina, she got obliterated. So, but the UFC's rankings are uh, what they are. So I imagine Calvillo will wind up ranked fairly high. Um, I don't know. I just I, I can't get excited about that division. I mean, they're probably going to have Joanne Calderwood and Valentina at some point in the near future, which I'm fairly confident Valentina will win. I again, I, I just can't get excited about the division. But. You know, Calvillo needed a rebound win after some really lackluster performances, so uh, good for her in that respect, I suppose. Uh, your co-main event, Marvin Vittori, defeated Carl Robertson via rear naked choke, 417 of the first. Um, fairly even on the feet, a little bit of an edge maybe towards Robertson, but anytime they got into the clinch or on the ground, Vittori, once it got to the ground, uh, Vittori was just superior. Um, this fight had been tried... They tried to make this fight a few times. Vittori finally gets a win. Um, he said he wants a top 15 guy next. I think that's probably fair. Um, let me grab the UFC's rankings real quick. Because at welterweight... Excuse me, middleweight... Yeah, I could see him taking on a, uh, uh, you know, a, a shoe face, a Heinish, uh, Christoph Yatko, someone of that. So, you know, that 13 to 15, maybe 12 to 15 range seems about right for his next fight, all things considered. I mean, Vittori's only loss in the UFC is still the Adesanya one, right? Yeah. So, I you know, he did, he had the loss to shoe face. So maybe that rematch uh, be something to consider. Uh, what's he done recently? What has old uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. been up to? Lost to Uriah Hall. He's on a two-fight losing streak, so probably Heinish, I think, would make a bit more sense for Vittori than a rematch with Shoeface. But uh, he, wants a, he wants a rematch with Adesanya. Vittori does. And given that, I said this before, you know, if you look at who gave Adesanya the toughest fight, first, Kelvin Gastelum, second was Marvin Vittori. Adesanya had more trouble with Marvin Vittori than he did with Yoel Romero or Robert Whitaker, which is crazy. So, anyway, uh, I don't think Robert, I mean, Robertson missed weight, which is a bad look, but... I don't imagine anybody's going to be too negatively affected by this. Uh, lightweight fight. Charles Rosa defeated Kevin Aguilar via split decision, 29-28. Uh, two for Rosa, one for Aguilar. This was an alright fight. Um, Aguilar had a good first round, but in the second and third, he stopped kicking, which had really helped set up some of his other offense. Rosa started finding a punching lane and finding the timing for his straight left when he would go southpaw. It was He was really good about splitting Aguilar's timing with that. And Aguilar never had kind of a secondary adjustment. So, uh, yeah, good win for Rosa, I guess. 
Andre Feely defeated Charles Jourdain via split decision, 29-28. I had this for Jourdain, going to be straight up. That said, I'm not complaining about it going to Feely. Uh, this comes down to the second round. First round, Jourdain, pretty clearly. Third round, Feely, pretty clearly. So, comes down to round two. Both men had some success in round two. Again, I kind of leaned to Jourdain, but I don't... I don't think Feely winning is, you know, wrong at all. Uh, relatively interesting fight, but nothing great. There was no fight of the night for this card, so none of the fights were great. Um, at Bantamweight, Jordan Espinosa defeated Mark De La Rosa via unanimous decision, 230-27 to 130-26. Uh, Espinosa's jab just gave De La Rosa fits. He was moving and jabbing very well. Anytime they did tie up, De La Rosa struggled to actually get things to the ground. Uh, De La Rosa had bits of success when he could punch into the pocket, but he couldn't do that consistently enough. Uh, and so again, it was a fight. It existed. Um, one of the notable things to come out of this one, actually, our next fight, Maria Agapova defeated Hannah Cyphers via rear naked choke 242 of the first. Um, Cyphers took this fight on short notice. This was supposed to be... Uh, this was supposed to be somebody else. I think it was supposed to be Luana Carolina. Uh, no, sorry, Melissa Gatto. Uh, Cyphers, normally a flyweight, stepped up... Uh, excuse me, normally a strawweight, stepped up to flyweight, was horribly outsized. And Agapova put up beating on Hannah Cyphers for this fight. Just better at distance, longer, sharp combinations, got into the clinch, wicked knees, elbows, uh, got things down, got the choke. Uh, I think I saw somebody else say on uh, Twitter, might have been Luke Thomas actually, Agapova has a little bit of the uh, like the early days Ioana and Jacek kind of vibe. She's long, she's an offensive Dynamo, uh, primarily focused on the striking aspect. Uh, now, Agapova's from Kazakhstan, right? Yeah. I mean, she's only she's nine and one, so still fairly young in her career. She's only twenty-three. Good grief! So, anytime I see someone that young, you know, succeeding, I always think uh, I'm just reminded of how much I have wasted my life. Uh, so, I'm not ready to anoint her, you know, a big deal or anything, but Flyweight pretty badly needs people we can get excited about for a, going forward. And Agapova might very well fit the bill for that. Uh, again, it's hard to be... There's only so much you know, real information you can glean from a fight like this. Um, there were a few fights like this, and I know that I mean, Dana and some other people were, you know, trying to tout the some of the finishes as, you know, how can you say this fight card sucks? Well, because the card is more than a few fights. Second of all, of all the... of all those, you know, kind of big, quick finishes or whatnot, most of them were mismatches. I think Agapova was something like a six-and-a-half-to-one favorite. Um... 
I mean, the, the ones that I think he's referencing, and you have the Agapova win. She was a huge favorite. This was a huge mismatch. Uh, Julia Avila, who we'll get to in more detail, who was a 5-1 to one favorite, I think, over Gina Mazzani. And then uh, Nam over Adeshev. Adeshev with a whopping four UFC uh, MMA fights, while Nam has like 40. I mean, <laughs> these were mismatches. You booked a lot of mismatches, and you got the expected result. Doesn't mean the card was good. So anyway, again, Agapova just kind of steamrolled Cyphers. Um, I'd like to see her fight some legitimate flyweights instead of a blown-up strawweight who took the fight on short notice. But I'm going to pay attention a little bit to Agapova going forward. Uh, I need you know, Her next couple of fights are going to be more telling than this. But to the extent that you could glean anything from this fight, I think you gleaned positive things. Uh, as for the prelims, Marab Dwalish really defeated Gustavo Lopez via unanimous decision. 230-26 is 130-25. I don't have anything to say about this. Um, Dwalish really is a cardio machine, pretty much. He's a takedown machine. But he's also been getting some... I wouldn't say easy fights. That's really not the right way to look at this. Because he came into the UFC, had a split decision loss to Frankie Sines, who was a... Frankie was riding pretty high at the time. Gets choked out by Ricky Simone. Then beats Terry and Ware, Brad Katona, Casey Kenny, and Gustavo Lopez. Now, again, Lopez stepping in on short notice. But... None of those guys are, you know... I I don't mean this is gonna sound dismissive, and I really don't mean that. Don't mean it to be, but I'm not gonna get too interested in Dwalish really until I see him take on the guys in the UFC who are consistent winners. Because thus far he's only fought two of those, and he lost both of those fights. Now, again, the Signs and Simone fights were in 2017 and 2018. So, time has passed. He's theoretically a better fighter now. I just... I'd like... and I get that the Borg fight was kind of designed to be that, so... Hopefully another fight like that, and we can... Maybe learn something about him that we didn't already know. I mean, that said, if you're one-trick pony and no one can stop the trick, then... Hey, Godspeed and party on. Uh, Julia Avila defeated Gina Mazzani via TKO in 22 seconds. Um, th- again, this was a horrible mismatch. Gina Mazzani was cut from the UFC. Uh, in 19. Her UFC record was 1-3. in three. Um, She got cut after back-to-back losses. She won a fight outside of the, U- uh, outside of the UFC. Then she gets brought back here because the UFC wants to make Julia Avila look good, and they're dealing with really depleted roster, given the travel restrictions. And Julia Avila just... just bulldozed her. Uh, Tyson Nam knocked out Zarek Adeshev at 32 seconds of the first round. This was a really nice punch, actually, from Nam. Adeshev hits a really hard inside leg kick. They're opposite stances. Uh, Adeshev was southpaw. Nam 
kind of rolls with it, lets it square up his stance, covers up the follow-up punch, and then intercepts the next punch that Adeshev throws with a right hand from just the depths of hell. And Adeshev was out before he hit the ground. Uh, this was Nam's first win in the UFC, broke a two-fight losing streak. Very needed win for him, given where his career is right was going into this. And kicking everything off, Christian Aguilera defeated Anthony Ivey 59 seconds of the first round via TKO. There was a head kick. Uh, sorry, just punches. I think somebody else with the head kick. Um, Aguilera just snuck in a right kind of around the guard of Ivy and then didn't let him off the hook. So, good for him. Um, again, wasn't a whole lot to really kind of gauge there. But that was the event, such as it was. Again, not a great event on paper. Not a great event in practice. Um, I mean, those first three fights ending in less than a minute uh, each gave them a lot of airtime to fill, and that can be a rough thing for a broadcast. So thanks to everyone who did uh, follow along live, if anyone did, uh, or who has read the report after the fact. I appreciate you guys and the support that you're able to give my work, even when it's on cards that are less than interesting on paper. Uh, okay, moving on. This coming Saturday... UFC on ESPN 11. Uh, again, a much better card than this previous one. Your main event is a relevant heavyweight fight. Sort of. Uh, Curtis Blades will be fighting Alexander Volkov. Um, this would be a relevant fight if heavyweight function normally at the moment. Um, Blades is currently number three. And Volkov number seven, so you could see some pretty, some very relevant movement. Uh, Blades has won his last three fights. His only professional losses are two of them to Francis Ngannou, which is kind of a rough spot to be in, actually. Just because, again, you've lost twice. You were stopped both times. The third fight is a hard sell. Not impossible, but it's hard. Uh, but, again, on a three-fight winning streak, wants to secure a title shot, which he I don't think he'd do, even with a win. But we'll get to that later when we talk about some of the fights that have been announced. On the other side, you have Volkov, whose only loss in the UFC was a fight he was winning handily up until the last seconds, when he was stopped by Derek Lewis. He beat the crap out of Derek Lewis. And then decided to pull a Stefan Struve in the last few seconds and got knocked out. But he had a rebound win over Greg Hardy that was supposed to be him and somebody else. But uh, they wound up sw somebody fell out. They wound up swapping it around. Uh, whatever. So it's uh, again a very relevant fight and a good. Uh, it's a pretty good one actually. Volkov's a very good striker. Blades has been leaning on his wrestling more. And he has good takedowns, and when he gets on top of you, he's a dangerous offensive fighter. Uh, I'm not really sure who to pick here, because again, both men have had some successes, both men have had some setbacks. I'm probably going to pick Blades. 
I mean, I won't be surprised if Volkov wins. He's good about staying long most of the time. He's got power. He's you know, certainly no one to trifle with. But I think Blades just has kind of the the setup right now. I think he's really kind of peaking at the right moment. But, you know, as far as heavyweight fights go, that's a better one. Uh, your co-main event, I'm really sad this wasn't the main event of Saturday's card because this fight could use five rounds. Uh, Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos are going to square up. Um, Emmett on a two-fight winning streak, uh, both stoppages. Uh, he was struggling with Michael Johnson then eventually found the right hand. He TKO'd Mursad Bektic in the first round. Whereas Burgos, on a three-fight winning streak, his only loss as a professional is to Calvin Cater, which is a tough style matchup for him as much as anything else. Uh, Burgos on a... Uh, he finished Makwan Amir Khani most recently. Uh, the fight with Cub Swanson, I was really surprised that was a split. I thought that was pretty clearly... Burgos's fight. Uh, that's two hard-punching guys who are just going to... Not just hard-punching, but kind of hard-nosed fighters. Uh, that's a heck of a fight. Uh, logically, it should be Emmett, I think. Um, I think he's got a bit more power in terms of one punch. But Burgos is not only durable, but really likes to push and push and push and push. Whereas Emmett isn't really, uh, he's not really, he doesn't like to fight at that pace. But I expect these two to clash. It's going to be, this is probably the fight I'm most looking forward to on the whole card. Um, it's a really good fight. Kind of wish they, again, I kind of think it could use five rounds, but uh, it's going to be, a. it's the one, again, I think it's the best one. So, uh, I, I'm leaning towards Emmett, but uh, these two are going to get after it. And it would not surprise me if Emmett just kind of winds up breaking a little bit under Burgos's pace and body work. Uh, we have a bantam women's bantamweight fight between Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault. Um, Pennington won and three in her last four. That one was a split over Irene Aldana that I kind of thought she lost. Um, and Renault on a two-fight losing streak uh, to Katzengano and Yana Kunitskaya. She hasn't fought in over a year. Um, I wonder what she's been out for. Um, probably lean towards Pennington, but I don't expect much out of that fight. Uh, Lyman Good will fight Bilal Muhammad. That's a pretty solid fight, actually. Uh, Good, coming off of a win over Chance Rencounter. Uh, he's had a really good uh, run in the UFC, actually. Uh, wins over Andrew Craig, Ben Saunders, and Rencounter. The split decision loss to Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos. I mean, he hung in there with Capoeira Dos Santos, and that's not easy to do. And then wound up being submitted by Maya. Uh, but, you know, Damian Maya. 
uh, and Muhammad on a two-fight winning streak finally got a finish uh, when he submitted Takashi Sato last year. Uh, Muhammad's a, uh, he's a hard guy to kind of get your finger on, I think, because he mostly goes the distance. He's a tough guy. He's certainly skillful in some respects. But he's not... I don't know, I don't think I've just ever really kind of seen him elevate his game. I'm going to lean towards good in this one, actually, but uh, that's a very close fight. Then at a catch weight of 160 pounds, Roosevelt Roberts, uh, the up-and-coming hotness at 155, who's on back-to-back wins over Alexander Yakovlev and Brock Weaver. Uh, Roberts has really kind of been finding, been really hitting his stride lately, and he's still improving. He'll fight perennial fight fan favorite uh, Jim Miller. Uh, Miller coming off the loss to Scott Holtzman. Uh, that was a that was a pretty good fight, actually. I mean, look, Miller's almost he's coming to the end of his career. Um, I actually like Roberts here a lot. Miller has never really found a consistent answer for taller, longer fighters who can keep him at distance, and I think that's what Roberts is going to do. But I will be, you know, sentimentally at least rooting for Jim Miller because it's Jim Miller. Uh, then as for the prelims, Clay Guido will fight Bobby Green. God, who could possibly care? Guido hasn't been hasn't fought since uh, he got submitted by Jim Miller. And Green is on a two-fight losing streak. Jeez. I'm going to pick Bobby Green just because I don't pick Clay Guida at this point, but who knows. Uh, women's strawweight fight. Tisha Torres will be fighting Brianna Van Buren. Uh, Torres on a four-fight losing streak. Good grief. I mean, okay, three of those are to legitimate... <laughs> I should qualify. Of those four losses... They go in this order. Jessica Andrade, who is now a former champion. Joanna Yinjacek, former champion. Zhang Weili, current champion. And then Marina Rodriguez. Uh, the Rodriguez one was, again, slightly more telling than losing unanimous decisions to Andrade, Yinjacek, and Zhang. You know, those are... That's the cream of the crop. Uh, Rodriguez... Rodriguez is solid, but I don't... I mean, she just hasn't proven herself to be at that level yet. So, Torres in pretty bad need of a win, whereas Van Buren has fought in the UFC just the one time. Uh, she scored an upset over Livia Hanata Souza when she did so, though. Um, ah, man, I... It's all—it's always weird for me in some respects to pick against Tisha Torres when she fights someone like this. But I think I'm going to, and I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm going to go with Van Buren. I, I think Torres might be just a little bit washed at this point. Uh, let's see here. Uh, middleweight fight between Mark andre Berriol and Oscar Pijota. 
God, who could care? <laughs> Sorry, this is an odd fight. Um, Barrio has not won in the UFC yet. He is 0-3. Uh, and Pihota, he's got at least one win, right? Yeah, he's got two. He is 2-3, but on a three-fight losing streak. I... I'll pick Pihota, but... I don't... I can't imagine that fight being all that interesting. Uh, a lightweight fight. This is actually a good fight here. Uh, Frank Camacho will be battling... Sorry, I skipped a fight. Sorry, there's a women's flyweight fight between Courtney Casey and Jillian Robertson. Um, Casey had a decent win her last time out when she beat Mara Romero Barella. And Robertson has... She's been kind of up and down in the UFC. She'll win a couple of fights, then she'll lose one. Um, she's coming off the loss to Macy Barber. Hmm. I'm going to pick Casey. I think she's the more well-rounded fighter. Uh, lightweight fight between Frank Camacho and Matt Frivola. This has craziness written all over it. I mean, Camacho is just 2-3 and three in his last five. But I think every one of those has been at, at a bare minimum watchable. <laughs> he is a fan-friendly fighter. And Frivola, on a two-fight winning streak, uh, his only loss in the UFC was to Polo Reyes. Uh, he scored that somewhat upset over Jalen Turner, actually. Uh, and beating Luis Pena doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, oof. I kind of want to go with Frank Camacho. I think Frivola might get sucked into a brawl with him, and that's kind of where Camacho excels, is the brawling. And, let's see, there's a women's flyweight fight, another one. Roxanne Modafferi will battle Lauren Murphy. Uh, Roxanne stopped the barber hype train, or at least stalled it a little bit in her last fight. Uh, to the amusement of people like me. Whereas Murphy's on a two-fight winning streak, I kind of thought she lost her last fight, the Andrea Lee one. Um, I'm going to go with Roxanne Modafferi, actually. I don't pick her very often, but I'm going to go with her here. I mean, even when I don't pick her, it's impossible. Roxanne Modafferi is one of the few people in this sport that it feels like it's impossible to actually dislike. So, I'm going to pick Roxanne, and then kicking everything off... Uh, lightweight Joe Selecki will fight Austin Hubbard. Um, gonna go with Hubbard, but who knows. I think this is Selecki's UFC debut. If it's not, he's only had like one or two fights in the UFC. Um... Sorry, that might have been changed, actually. My apologies. Um, looks like Selecki withdrew from that fight. And Hubbard is now facing... That's relatively new That's relatively new information. Uh, I think Hubbard is now facing... It's listed as Max Roshkoff. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce that gentleman's last name. Oh, uh... Yeah, it's R-O-H-S-K-O-P-F. So I'm going to go with Roscoff until I hear otherwise. Uh, 
And my apologies in advance for butchering your name. Yeah, this well, this would be his UFC debut. Uh, yeah, that's the event as it currently stands. Some good stuff on there. Uh, again, relevant main event for heavyweight in a lot of respects. Emmett and Burgos is probably going to be fireworks. Jim Miller and Roosevelt Roberts is probably going to be solid. Again, Miller, even on the downside of his career, tends to have watchable fights. So, tune in to that this coming Saturday on ESPN or ESPN+. Plus. And if you're doing so, or even if you're not, please follow along with my live coverage in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. That is always appreciated on my end when you good people support my work. Uh... So, yeah, that's coming up there. And let's jump ahead again. The UFC dumped a lot of fight news on us. Uh, this <laughs> this last week. So let's start with the big one, I suppose. Uh, UFC 251. Um, I mentioned last week that uh, it got brought up last week. Fight Island, put air quotes around that, is just Yaz Island in the United Arab Emirates. Um, I really hope someone asks about the... Well, let me put it like this. Uh, getting the facilities up and running the way the UFC has described them for uh, this area took a fairly Herculean effort. And given the history of the UAE, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, a few other places in the Middle East, and their, I'll put this as charitably as I can, exploitative labor practices, uh, specifically as it relates to, like, Southeast Asians. Um, I mean, there was that, if you'll remember, in uh, when... I think it was this last World Cup, actually, that Cutter hosted. Uh, there were some very, very big concerns raised and then subsequently ignored by a lot of people over the labor practices used to get all of the facilities in question to host that event up to code. I mean, the reality is they were using slave labor, right? Wouldn't shock me if that's what happened here to get these facilities up to the way the UFC wants them to be. No one's going to ask about it because they're just not going to. And in all fairness, to anyone actually in the UAE at the time asking that I don't blame anyone in that location for not trying to piss off a government that, uh, well, you know, Pretty much everywhere in the Middle East, uh, you don't really ask questions like that. Uh, it, it would end badly. So it's just Yaz Island. Um, I've got to say this about this event. The last time the UFC went to this facility was for the uh, Khabib and Poirier card. They did not have... Uh, I think they didn't have, you know, cooling facility... Cooling... Uh, technology available, like, for the cage. So they were fighting uh, uh, without proper, you know, ventilation, air conditioning, and whatnot. 
I don't know who thinks going to fight in the Middle East in June. Well, this will be July, excuse me. Sorry, that's a couple of weeks out. If you're going to send these poor people to fight in a cage for money in July in the UAE, the least you bunch of... I'm not going to say anything bad. You'd think common sense would dictate proper cooling technology available for the fight surface. Because if there's not, that's going to be... That's hazardous to your... Like, fighting is hazardous to your health, fine. Like, I'm, I'm not here to litigate that. Fighting under those types of temperature conditions... Um... Oof. That's potentially lethal. I mean, that is just... I mean, look, I'm not a squeamish person. If there's not some kind of... I don't know if you want, you know, air conditioner, if you reach, if you redo some of the ventilation for the entire building. I don't know if you just set up fans down there to help things circulate. I don't know. Well, I don't know entirely what you do. I'm not deeply familiar with how you would go about this. I'm going to, I'll acknowledge my own somewhat ignorance here. But if you haven't taken steps, that forcing those people to fight I say forcing because not because there's a gun to their head literally but metaphorically forcing fighters to compete under those conditions do you know how hot it's going to be there that's insane so hopefully the facility will be up to code as far as that goes otherwise we're going to see people with uh, wouldn't shock me if somebody like just passed out from heat stroke I mean, it gets that hot. Um, all right, as for the event, we do have a bunch of fights announced. We only have a partial bout order. Uh, we have our top three. We have our main card. Sorry, I should phrase it that way. We have our main card. Your main event for the welterweight title, champion Kamaru Usman defending the title against Gilbert Burns. I tend to think this should have been Jorge Masvidal. But, Masvidal is in kind of a pay dispute with the UFC right now, and the UFC has a vested interest in keeping the machine turning over. And it's not like this is a bad fight. It's not like Gilbert Burns is not a deserving contender. He just beat Tyron Woodley decisively. He knocked out Damian Maya before that. He's... Again, if you're if you want to try and just tell me that Gilbert Burns is fighting for the belt and he deserves it, I agree completely. I have no complaints about that. Um, I haven't. I have to think about this fight actually because I I'm not sure what. I don't think Usman can fight Burns the same way he's fought his last couple of opponents. Now that's not to say he won't win. I'm leaning towards him actually. But Burns is not only good on the ground, and when I say good, I mean world, legitimate world champion. But Burns has hands. <laughs> I, if I had to guess at a broad strokes game plan for Usman, it would be very clinch heavy. Um, 
So yeah, again, I'm I'm picking Usman. Well, right now I am. I'm not. Uh, this is the official preview. I lean towards Usman, but good fight. You know, champion and ranked number one contender. Uh, I'm only going to complain about that so much, you know. Uh, there's a featherweight title fight, the rematch. Alexander Volkanovsky, your freshly minted champion, defending his title against the man he beat for it, uh, Max Holloway. I am sad this fight is happening so fast. Um, it's not that there's not a argument to be put forward that Max Holloway deserved an immediate rematch. I think if you wanted to make that argument based on Max's body of work in the division, I mean, it's there's no argument there. He had, what, like a 12-fight winning streak, won the belt, um, three title defenses. Because, yeah, he beat Aldo for it, defended against Aldo, defended against Ortega, and then defended against Edgar. I mean... There's, again, there's not an. It's not that the argument is Max isn't deserving of it. It's more that I don't think having the rematch this quickly is like really in his best interest for his chances to win. Uh, I I would have liked to have seen someone else, but that's just me. Uh, I'm also let me be clear, not complaining about this fight. They had a great fight the first time. I I have rewatched that fight a handful of times. Because what both men are doing is so sophisticated. And what Volkanovsky's performance is mind-blowing once you start to figure out what he's doing, how he's doing it, and that he's doing it to someone the caliber of Max Holloway. Um, so, it's a... I mean, I'm not complaining about watching those two fight. Uh, again, I would have... If you ask me, you know, what I would have liked in an ideal world, Holloway gets somebody else, Volkanovski gets... Uh, I'm sorry. I had this, but I think that... I might have done... Yeah, I probably would have done Volkanovski and the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. I would have given Holloway... You know, someone like maybe a Calvin Cater. Maybe Zabit. Because I don't think you could do an Ortega rematch. But that's kind of what I would have... Again, if like my ideal world. But I'm not going to complain about those two fighting again. I'm just not. <laughs> um, inclination is to lean Volkanovski. I think he... It's not that Max can't adjust to what was going on there. But I think Volkanovski had a really good grasp on what Max was doing in that fight and how to kind of take away his weapons for the most part. So, again, good fight. And then for the vacant bantamweight title, Peter Yan will fight Jose Aldo. Not the fight I would have made for this belt. Like I said after, I think I said last week, I'd take Aldo off this card, I'd put Aljamain Sterling in there, but that's just me. Um, as for this fight itself, I tend to lean towards Jan just a little bit. Aldo's last few fights, he's been, you know, for the last few years actually, he's been much more boxing-centered, 
which is not a bad thing. The man has very good hands, very good defense. But I think against Jan, I think when you've seen him struggle, it's been against people who understand kind of what his striking game is, or who are very good strikers themselves. Holloway, Volkanovski, uh, Marais, when Marais had success against him. And I think Jan might be able to exploit that. Um, I mean, that said again, great fight. Uh, it, not the fight I would make for the title, but... I'm. There's only so much complaining about Peter Jan versus Jose Aldo that I'm going to do, right? Uh, also on the main card, a rematch between Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. Um, I leaned. I picked Andrade in their first fight. I just thought stylistically she gave Rose problems. And it turns out that while Rose tuned her up pretty solidly over the first round, she couldn't maintain the footwork and the cage presence to stay off the fence, you know, to keep Andrade from, cl- from clinching up, and then got overpowered. Um, I think I like Rose's chances a little bit more this time than their first time. But that's still not a... I mean, Jessica Andrade is not an easy fight for anybody. And uh, our first fight on the main card is Amanda Hebos and Paige Van Zandt. Um, I don't care about that fight. I mean, Hebos is someone the UFC is kind of looking to make some noise with. She's won three in a row in the UFC. And, I mean, the UFC's been high on Paige Van Zandt forever. She just can't seem to sustain any real momentum. She's coming off of a win over Rachel Ostovich, though, so... Uh, we'll see. As for the rest of the card, again, we don't have a bout order here, but Shamil Abdurahimov and Cyril Gaon, not a bad heavyweight fight. Um, I lean towards Gaon. Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz, that could be crazy. I actually like Edgar's chances there. Munoz is a little bit slow and a little bit flat on his feet. Uh, Vulcan Uzdemir, and he was supposed to fight somebody else. Um, who's he supposed to fight? Huh, I can't find that. Uh, he's he's now fighting Jiri uh, uh, Prozaczka. If he's Polish, I am mispronouncing that badly, so I'm just going to leave it there. A uh, flyweight fight between Harley and Paiva and... Uh, Zhalga Zhumala, uh, excuse me, Zhumalga, Zhumagulov. I'll get it. <laughs> uh, women's bantamweight fight between Carol Rosa and Vanessa Mello, and then a featherweight fight between Makwan Amir Khani and Danny Henry. That's a really solid card. Top to bottom. I'm, I question how necessary three title fights are on any one card these days, especially with the UFC trying to, you know, find value wherever they can <laughs> in terms of putting on the you know single events that are worth the price of pay-per-view. But I'm also not going to complain about... They might also be hedging their bets. I mean, this way, if one of those fights falls out, one of those title fights, you've still got two killer fights. So, might be a little bit of bet hedging, which I think is smart. And if it all goes off as planned, then, you know... Who's going to complain about those three fights on paper? In practice, maybe they all suck. 
I find that very unlikely. Let me be very clear about that. But, eh, I'm not going to pretend that the possibility doesn't exist. So, there's that. Uh, yeah, UFC 251. Looking forward to that one. That's that's kind of a banger. Um, okay, we also got a date for Cormier versus Miocic 2. Or, excuse me, 3. Uh, that's kind of set to be the headline for UFC 252 on August 15th. Um, ow. Sorry. Ah. I had some dental work done on Friday, and my bite is still not correct. So if I ever... If you hear me wind up going ow, it's because I bit too hard, and my teeth are not properly aligned at the moment. So, that gets to be a fun thing I get to redo on some point this week. Uh, other fights announced for that card. Uh, Livia Hanata Souza versus Ashley Yoder. Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutalaba. That rematch. Felice Herrig and Virna Jandiroba. And then Junior Dos Santos and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. That's a pretty decent fight, actually. JDS and Jarzinho. So there's that. Uh, we got some other fights just kind of announced as well for the last little bit. Uh, let me Let's have a look here. Uh, this next card, so the June 27th card, uh, will be main evented by Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. That's a heck of a fight. Uh, also on that card, Mike Perry and Mickey Gall, Ian Heinish will be fighting. Um, so, I, I mean, Poirier and Hooker, I just like, take my money. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's going to be a good one. So we got that one thrown out there. Um, let's see. There was another one that... I think the UFC announced... Um, which is the event? I think they announced an, an upcoming event that was going to be main evented by Holly Holm and Irene Aldana. Uh, let me see if I can find which one that is. Is that the August 1st card? Yeah, that's the August 1st card. Uh, also on that card, I'll announce Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian. Great fight. Um, Holman Aldana as your main event is an odd one. Um, I mean, that fight's either going to be very interesting or very, very boring. Um, let's see, the UFC 172, uh, fi sorry, Fight Night 172, uh, this is another Yaz Island one, they don't have a main event for that yet, that, that one falls like middle of the week, they're gonna be doing the three a week thing again, ugh. Uh, so one seven fight night one seventy three. I think that's the rematch between Benavides and Figueredo for the flyweight title. Uh, also on that card, Jack Hermanson and Kelvin Gastelum. It's a good fight. Then the one seventy fight night one seventy four. This will be July twenty fifth. Uh, have they've announced a few fights for this one as well? Robert Whitaker versus Darren Till. Great fight. Uh, the third fight between Shogun and Little Nog. I don't know why they do that. Um, 
I mean, look, yeah, their first fight in Pride is the stuff of legend, right? One of the best fights you'll ever see. Their rematch was not great. And now we're still, like, five years removed. When did they last? Hang on, I've got to look this up now. So their first fight... Uh, took place in 2005. So 15 years ago. Their rematch took place in 2015. And now we're getting the third in 20. I mean, their, their rematch in, in 2015 at UFC 190 was not great. Ugh, that's just going to be sad. Uh, the Gustafson return at heavyweight against Fabricio Verdum will be on that card. Uh, this was going to fly under some radars, but Umar Nurmagomedov, uh, one of Khabib's cousins, whether that's literal cousin or just a you know, very close friend of the family kind of thing, will fight Nathaniel Wood. Nathaniel Wood's the real deal. Uh, I know he's coming off of that loss to Dodson, but he's still a tough ask. So we've got some of the fights that just kind of got dumped on us, you know, for the July for the rest of June and July. There's some good stuff there, so we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, for basically the entire month of July, the UFC will be in the UAE for those events. So that's going to be July 11th, 15th, 18th, and 25th. Oof. That's going to be a stretch of time for me to be doing this. But that's kind of what we've had announced so far. Again, some really good fights in that stretch. I'm not going to complain too much about any of that. Uh, I think that's everything. Let me check Twitter one more time and see if something crazy has happened. All right. Doesn't look like anything crazy in the MMA-related space has come up. So let's go ahead and get into my plugs. Alright, uh, again, you can find my MMA stuff in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com, the report for UFC and ESPN 10, the upcoming live coverage for UFC and ESPN 11, uh, my review of the MLW uh, anthology on the Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., is up in the wrestling zone of 411mania. If you're interested in my thoughts on that, uh, give it a read, give it a comment, always appreciated. Uh, this Monday, on a special Monday of Damn You Hollywood, Mark Radlich and I will be reviewing the Artemis Fowl adaptation that was supposed to be released in theaters, wound up being released straight to, Dis to Disney+. Plus. Um, Fowl, spelled very differently, is about what I have to say about that movie as a preview of our thoughts. So, tune in for that. And we'll have fun, Mark and I, will have fun talking about that movie. Much as we can, at least. And then, yeah, back here next week for a review of UFC on ESPN 11 and a preview of UFC on ESPN 12. Sure, that is correct. Yes. So, come back. Hope you'll all be back next week. Thank you very much in advance for your support of the show. Your likes, your comments, your subscribes, uh, your reviews, your shares. Please, please share the show around. Uh, that's that's the only way we can really build this thing, guys. Is you guys telling other people 
who are loosely interested in the product <laughs> to give this a listen. So I will see you all next week. Until then, as always, thanks again. Stay safe out there, and please continue to be well. I'm going to draw this out so I can get this at one hour. Be safe and behave.